Y'all, what is going on? Good morning. This is your man L Jamal coming through with another edition of Never Out of Bounds. Of course, this is the place we can say what you want as long as you got them facts. We do have a, a lot to get into. Uh, let's see how much time I have uh, today. Let's hope I don't run out of time this uh, this time around. But uh, let's get into it. We do have some serious uh, news to get into. Uh, over the weekend, uh, DMX, of course, uh, been around for a long time. Uh, one of the all-time great MCs. Um, really helped, well, really, um, somebody I was listening to for a very long time and still am to this day, but, um, unfortunately over the weekend, he suffered a heart attack. Um, they're saying this is related to some sort of overdose. Um, I'm pretty sure as, you know, fans or people within the hip hop community, uh, fans of DMX, but just in general, like I said, in the hip hop community have known of his struggles. I'm pretty sure you guys are well aware of them. Um, and his legal issues as well, stemming from that addiction. And uh, fortunately, even deeper is um, I actually just found out a, another layer, even just recently when kind of going into this story. And uh, it appears, according to him, that um, his first addiction started when he was introduced with crack at 14. And uh, it was a situation in which an older, uh, an older friend of his, a mentor-like person, uh, gave him a... Uh, a joint lace with it and uh, it made me think some more and, and uh, think about it and um, we have to do a lot better um, in terms of um, you know how we are mentoring each other and uh, as as a as a brother as an elder <clears throat> no I'm not an OG per se but again I've been around I know things and I'm learning things and part of that and part of being, you know, a grown-up, part of being a man, uh, I know they don't stress this one enough. They stress how to be alpha and not to be beta and, and to take to dictate to women what to do and to not take this and to take that. They don't always tell you things, you know, the under, the, you know, the under-the-surface stuff, you know, like being the mentor in the community and looking out for these for these younger kids, uh, boys and girls. Um, and it's unfortunate, but... Part of our duty um, is to look out for these younger cats. Um, I know we might not care. Or some of us might, you know, not know what to do. But it's it's something that it should be innate. Okay. And they've done a lot of, you know, again, look at what you see out there now. Um, the majority of, see, of what you're seeing, even when it comes to building men up is on the surface level. Well, how can you look better in terms of relationships? How can, you know, we, we need to be telling each other, every every channel, not every channel, okay, don't be wrong. But, uh, you know, just as much as we, we go to Derek Jackson or we've been to Kevin Samuels or we've been to all these different guys, we need to be learning how to build the communities as well, okay? 
that's what we also need to be doing. We need to be all, you know, infusing this together. So we're, yes, we all swagged out, but we can take care of each other too. We can look out for each other. That's what we need to be at. It's not about just being swagged out. It's not just about getting, you know, the best woman or the best cars or the best living situation. It's about co cooperation. That's the main thing. Okay, it's our job to look out for these younger generations, especially, you know, in a situation where as black folk, we do say that we are marginalized, which that is true. We are marginalized. We are put in, ad, you know, a disadvantaged situation. Non-white, you know, peoples in general, I, you know, as far as I know, are facing, you know, it, well, it's what it is. You know, if you look at the aging, they're facing, you know, certain, you know, I wouldn't even, I don't want to say the word. Well, no, it, it's, it's misdoings and, you know, they're facing uh, agitation. We face that too. So knowing what we can, knowing what, how bad things can get, we should know better. Um, and just, and just hearing that an older, an elder brother, you know, gave it to him and, and gave it to, and he didn't even probably, I know he didn't even tell him, believe me. That's why you don't go smoking everybody's joints. You don't go to everybody's parties. You don't go, you know, drinking whoever's cup. That's why you don't do it. That's particularly, that last one was for the young ladies. Brothers, don't just smoke people's random blunts and joints. Don't just go to anybody's party. You don't know, yeah. And, again, um, as far as his current condition, um, even sadder, um, it doesn't look to be very good. He's in a vegetative state. Um, again, and, and there's no telling. Um, and he's currently on life support. Um, so be careful what you do and what you consume with your bodies. Um, and, and look out for each other, too. And certain things we have to, we can't promote anymore. We have to get away from in order to promote, in order to put our, to put our community as a whole in the best, in the best position to succeed. Um, so RIP to, well, not RIP, not yet. Oof, that's messed up. But give some thoughts and prayers to DMX, okay? And um, give him your thoughts and positive vibes for the rest of the day. And, uh, and, and, and you know, if you can, and, and you know, always think of, you know think about him when you can when you put on his music you know always don't be afraid to put his music on and and vibe with it um his music meant a lot to a lot of different people and uh, i hope he pulls through i really do i really do y'all and like i said uh we have to do a lot better job of taking care of ourselves and each other again another example of that within our own community all right, I'm going to take a quick break. Like I said, we have a lot to get into. So uh, we're going to get into opening week in the MLB. Of course, I have a couple more um, previews to go through based on divisions. Uh, we are also going to be going over some college basketball as well. And let's see what else we got time for. I'll be right back, y'all. So, 
uh, opening week in the MLB has wrapped up. So I'm going to go over some highlights and also some uh, takeaways that I made from over the weekend and over the course of the week. And I'm going to sprinkle in my AL East and my NL East predictions uh, in there. So let's get on into it. Uh, my first highlight uh, is that Boston may be turning into a dumpster fire. And, oh, Trey Mancini makes his return for Baltimore. Um, now, recently, Baltimore has been one of the AL's favorite whipping boys. Uh, but they recently, like I said, opened up a can of whoop-ass on the Boston Red Sox this week. Uh, they had a three-game, well, this last week, they had a three-game sweep of them. Um, this is the second time that Boston, you know, in their whole franchise history has had a 0-3 start at home um, to start off the season. Uh, like I said, this was also the return of outfielder Trey Mancini for the for the Orioles. He was coming back from uh, stage three cancer. He hasn't even played since 2019 due to surgeries to remove, uh, you know, tumors and all that. Uh, but in his return, he will drive in three runs for the O's. Now, over the three games, Baltimore will outscore Baltimore. Sorry, Baltimore would outscore Boston 18 to five uh, with an 11 with an 11 to three win on Saturday. Um, so. Again, Baltimore looks hot. Uh, kind of just a look in on the AL East. I still kind of see them uh, finishing maybe third or fourth. And the only reason uh, why I say that, um, there is a quote here that I do feel is kind of damning about this team. This is coming from an AL scout. Uh, he go goes on to say, the problem is that as an, or, that as an organization, they're not really interested in winning to the point uh, where they wouldn't even make modest expenditure to keep productive players uh, like uh, I think it's Hanser Alberto and Renato Nunez. So again, they're not taking the steps that it needs financially. They're not retaining certain players, um, but they did look good over the weekend. Uh, this is going to be a lineup that consists of Cedric Mullins at the center field, right fielder Anthony Santander. Uh, last year, he had a 261 average, 315 on base percentage, and a 575 slugging percentage with 11 homework and 32 RBIs. And as a team, uh, the Orioles will lead the AL in batting average uh, with a 409, and that was on 0-0 pitch count. So they hit very, they hit well early uh, within the pitch count. They can get on base, uh, but as a team, they, and also as a team overall in batting average, they were third. Uh, with a 258, they were eighth in on base percentage uh, with a 321, and seventh in terms of slugging uh, as a team with a 429. So, again, they also had a 1.09 OPS. Um, I think offensively, you're going to see some changes with Baltimore. Obviously, we have Trey Mancini coming back, but I think with the pitching staff, I think there's a lot more that can be done here. Um, you know, they're headed by John Means, who was two, two and four last year. 4.53 ERA. He did give up 12 homers. Um, that doesn't look to be that great to me either. Uh, they do have some help out in the bullpen with Cesar Valdez. He would have a 1.26 ERA, which was the lowest on the team. He would also help out with three saves as well. Uh, but with 11 saves total, that was good enough for just 13th in the AL for the Orioles. Uh, they also had a 4.51 team ERA, uh, which isn't that great. So again, um, not, I mean, their pitching leaves a lot to be desired. Um, I think offense and defense 
you know, might have to carry the weight for them. Uh, so I don't really see them. I mean, they had a great start again, you know, to sweep the, the Red Sox again. That's that's a that's a feat for somebody like them. Uh, but I don't know what it all means in the totality of things. As far as the Red Sox, they would also finish near last in the AL East as well, 24 and 36 last year. Uh, as far as this year is concerned, I don't. I honestly don't see that much different. Um, New York has pretty much rain, re, you know, retained their core. They're going to come in there solid. Um, same thing with Tampa Bay. They did not lose anybody major with the exception of Blake Snell on the pitching side of things. And we will talk about them in just a little bit. Uh, but as far as um, Boston is concerned, they'll be bringing back Hunter Renfro, of course, not the wide receiver playing for the Raiders. Completely different guy. He's a left fielder in baseball. Um, their rotation is going to have Nathan uh, Ivaladi 4-2 last year. He would lead the team in terms of ERA 3.72. Uh, but they will be bringing back Chris Sale, but he will be missing some of the season because he's uh, dealing with uh, surgery recovery. Um, in terms of their bullpen, they're going to have Matt Barnes at the closer spot, nine saves last year. Uh, but as a team, uh, they leave a lot to be desired in terms of pitching. Uh, five, over 5.5 ERA last season. Um you know, they gave up 98 home runs last season as well. Uh, so this team has a lot to a lot of holes, just like with Baltimore as well. So, I mean, I, I would not be surprised if the last spot was going to be fought over by them, ironically, uh, the last place spot in the AL East. Um, moving on, some other highlights. Uh, well, let's break down the AL East real quick now that, I, now that we're talking about them. Um, as far as the Yankees are concerned, like I said, they pretty much retained their core that they've had. You know, of course, they signed um, your boy, Garrett Cole, uh, I believe a, about a season ago. He signed for a while. while he'll be there. Uh, I think the Yankees uh, definitely have a chance uh, to uh, definitely win the division. Uh, there's a chance they have a deep playoff run as well. As far as the race, like I said, they did lose, they lit, they did lose two pitchers. I will take that back. Uh, they lost uh, Blake Snell and also Charlie Morton at the free agency. Charlie Morton would go to Atlanta. Um, however, they are retaining the AL Manager of the Year, Kevin Cash, so that goes well for them. Of course, they'll be bringing back Randy uh, Rosarena, 281 average last year, 382 on base, 641 uh, slugging percentage, seven home runs, 11 RBIs. Of course, he was even you know more fantastic. Uh, in the playoffs, uh, in that rotation, they will be. They will still have Tyler Glassow. Uh, he would go five and one last year. His ERA was a little bit high, but he would have ninety one strikeouts. So they have that going for him as well. Uh, they were first in the AL in terms of saves. They were also second in terms of team uh, ERA with three point five. Uh, they have five hundred and two strikeouts. Again, expect for those things to go down, especially since they're missing two pieces of their rotation. I believe they might have added Drew Archer as well, if I'm not mistaken. So as a team, I think this team is pretty much balanced. Um, I think this team definitely will be, you know, within the mix in terms of the playoffs. I don't know. Um, I think I think the AL East does go through Tampa, being that they are the champions. It's not a situation like we'll talk about in the ALS uh, with, sorry, the AL West uh, with one of my key takeaways uh, that I'll get to. Uh, with one team just kind of maybe at this at the moment being the better team despite what happened a season before we'll get to that like I said you, you kind of know where I'm going with that uh, but in this situation I see the Tampa Bay Rays really you know at least uh, competing and defending that crown um, we'll see what happens it'll probably go down almost deep until September because of course you have um, in my opinion 
I would say a very interesting squad here with uh, the Toronto Blue Jays. Um, I really like this squad here in terms of who they got in terms of talent. Of course, in the offseason, uh, they would add center fielder George Springer from the Houston Astros. They would also have add Marcus Simeon, uh, infielder from the Oakland A's. Uh, as a team, this team was fourth in home runs last year with 88. Uh, they had 302 runs as a, as a team, which was good enough for third in the AL. They also had, uh, they would strike out a lot, uh, and um, I will give you that, but at the same time, they had some really, they have some emerging hitters on this team as well. And they have sons on this team, which is really cool about this team. At the, at the DH spot, they got Vladimir Guerrero Jr., of course. Uh, we all know about potential if he has, if he's not in there yet. Potential Hall of Famer, Vladimir Guerrero, son of him. Uh, 262, uh, 262 average last year, 329 on base percentage. We have a 462 uh, slugging percentage here with nine home runs, 33 RBIs last year. We also got Kavon Biggio, son of Craig Biggio. Houston Astro, great. Uh, 250 uh, average last year, 375 on base, eight home runs from him, 28 RBIs. He also got a shortstop, Bo, Bo Boucher. Uh, and Bo Boucher is the son of the hitting coach, who's also was an all star in his time, Dave Bouchette. So, again, uh, you have a lot going well for this team. Um, you also got, in terms of that rotation, uh, you got Hyun Jin Ryu, 5 and 2 record last year, 2.69 ERA. I did think they split that series that they had. I believe they were playing in New York this weekend. So, I mean, I think this is going to be an interesting team as well. I would not be surprised if this team is in the mix for a playoff spot. I definitely see it as a top three team. Um, but not, I mean, even if it finished top three, I don't see them, you know, that much farther behind, um, you know, the Yankees or the potential winner, in my in my opinion, which would be the Rays. Um, yeah, not too much to take away from this team here. Uh, they were tenth in overall ERA. I will kind of, you know, that is a, that is mediocre a little bit there. But they were fourth in saves uh, last season was 17, so they do have a decent bullpen. They do have a decent starting rotation, of course. Uh, with Rafael Dolis there as well. He had a 1.5 ERA. Uh, they're also going to have Tanner Rourke uh, in that rotation as well. So, again, not a whole lot of negatives to take away from this team. Um, their manager, uh, Charlie Montoyo, he would finish third in the AL Manager of the Year voting. Uh, so, again, you know, they're not taking nobody by surprise. But at the same time, I do kind of see in a lot of circles people might have them finishing third again this season. I think this team can maybe take a take a leap. Um, this is a good quote coming from an AL scout here as well. Last year was a perfect kind of year for them because they learned that their youth can play. This is true, and they even they even got a bonus of a little playoff experience. Definitely. Um, so again, I in terms of my AL East predictions, I got the Rays repeating. I know, go figure. That second place spot is a little bit iffy. Um, and I, it, it, to me, I, I don't have a clear cut favorite right now, but I can see it either being Tampa. It has to be either Tampa Bay. Um, it's going to be between Tampa Bay and New York. I'm not hundred percent right now. Um, we'll see farther as the season goes along. I even think, I even think Toronto and New York can even possibly challenge for the first place spot as well. I'm not, a, I'm not a hundred percent, especially the more that I think about what, Tam uh, sorry, what, a um, what Toronto has, I'm not 100% sure on Tampa because Toronto does have a really solid squad offensively. Uh, but, of course, at the bottom, 
it's going to be Red Sox, uh, Red Sox, Orioles, Orioles, Red Sox. Either way, um, that's what you got in the NL East. Uh, let's look at some more highlights. Um, we did have some cancellations this week. Uh, the series between the Mets and, of course, the Washington Nationals was canceled uh, due to coronavirus concerns or COVID concerns. Um, and speaking of which, let's talk a little bit about those teams since we are on, we have moved on to the NL East. Uh, as far as the Nationals are concerned, um, they are bringing back Max Scherzer. This is his last year on his contract. This is his age 37 year. Uh, last year, he would finish with a record of 5-4, and four, uh, 3.74 ERA, 92 strikeouts. I would believe, I think that did lead the team. Um, they were last uh, as a team, though, in the division 26-34 and 34 last year. Um, but also, uh, back to that rotation, they're also going to be bringing back Steven Strasburg, Steven Strasburg, excuse me, a solid pitcher. You got Patrick Co uh, Coburn and also John Leslie here. So it's solid, um, especially with Max Scherzer. Of course, Max Scherzer is in an advanced age, but again, we don't want to be ages ageist here. Um, and that, in that bullpen, they do have Brad Hand that they got through trade. They also got Daniel Hudson and Tanner Rainey. Um, so they have some decent talent here. Uh, back to their offense. Uh, in terms of that lineup, they're going to have Juan Soto. He's coming back. He had 13 home runs last year, 37 RBIs. Uh, he will lead the team in batting average as well with a three, 351. Uh, we also got a shortstop, Trey Turner. I believe this is the final year of his contract as well. 335, um, 335 average last year, 394 on base and 588 slugging. He would have 12 homers last year and 41 RBIs. In terms of a t in terms of a team, uh, the Nationals were tenth um, in terms of batting average. Uh, uh, they also, um, you know, well actually, excuse me, they were third in batting average with three two sixty four, uh, three thirty six uh, on base percentage put them at fifth, and they were also seventh and uh you know slugging percentage with a 433 uh but they were first in being struck out they had 4451 strikeouts so again um there is some drawbacks uh looks like they were 10th uh yes they were 10th in the national league in home runs they were second to last in home runs in total in all of baseball which is 66 so not a lot of power uh not a lot of extra runs looks like of course that's what comes with home runs um, and of course, runs in general. So you're not really getting that from this team right now. Their pitching staff seems to be decent. I'm not going to take too much away from them there. Um, in terms of pitching, uh, they they were 13th in team ERA. Oh, actually, no, they weren't that solid here. Let me take that back. 509 ERA, that's not that good. Uh, they were 14th in earned runs. Uh, they, they gave up 285 earned runs last year. They also 10th in strikeouts, which was 94. There is some dysfunction here. Um, I got Washington despite, you know, what they've had, their recent success. And, of course, you know, I got family ties. I don't mean to put them down like this, but they're going to have a, a garbage year, it looks like. Sorry, y'all. Yeah. Um, let's take a, a quick look at the Mets. The other team that, of course, the other team involved in that cancellation, they would go, I believe, same record as the uh, Nationals, 26-34. Uh, this year, they're bringing back right fielder Michael Canforto. Uh, he would have a 332, 332 average, excuse me, 412. Uh, on base percentage, 515 slugging with nine home runs, 31 RBIs last year. Pete Alonso, of course, at the first base. Uh, he's coming back. He led the team in home runs with 16, 35 RBIs. Uh, as a team, they were fifth in home runs with 86. Uh, they were first in batting average with 272, second in team on base percentage, and fourth in slugging with a 459. Um, you know, 
you know, speaking of, I mean, and, and again, they have a really solid um, rotation with Jacob DeGrom. Uh, this being the match, they also got Noah Syndergaard, Marcus Stroman. They have a really good rotation. Um, I'm not, I don't know so much about that bullpen right now. Um, Edwin Diaz will be the closer going into the year. He would go two, two and one last year in terms of win loss record. He would have six saves. Uh, he would also have a 1.75 ERA, but I don't know so much about Trevor May or Dylan Benton since, um, I mean, if you look at the rotation, the rotation looks solid. The offense, you know, in terms of who they got, they're bringing back, uh, of course, bringing back Pete Alonzo, uh, Camforto. They look solid there, too. Um, I don't think they finished last this year. Uh, but, you know, I think Atlanta has definitely made strides to hold on to their controller division. Um, Miami even stepped up a little bit. Although I do finish, uh, I do see, no, I, 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 see, I see Miami finishing possibly third. I'll have to put New York at fourth this year. I, I just don't see what... Ah, but they do have a, a do a, they do have a really good pitching rotation here. Is that enough to put them above the Mar the Mar the Marlins for me? <sighs> I don't know, just shit. I don't know. I don't know, guys. But I definitely like Atlanta and and Philadelphia. Um, again, we got a chance to see those two guys go out of this weekend, and in that um, and in that you know series, I do have a takeaway from that. Uh, Phillies definitely turned heads. Uh, I was going into this originally having the Braves as my team to beat in the NL East, the National League um, East, and also in pretty much in the National League in general. I'm, I'm very iffy on them in San Diego at the moment. Uh, but the Phillies, they started off the year, of course, with a sweep. Um, this, Like I said, they swept the uh, Braves this weekend. Very impressive fashion fashion because Atlanta was held to just three runs total in the three-game series. So that's just a run a game. So, again, really good defense, really good pitching uh, from the Phillies. Uh, in Saturday's outing, Philly starter uh, Zach Wheeler, starting pitcher, of course, in just seven innings, he had no walks, 10 Ks. He would also uh, go two or three at the plate. So he also hit pretty well in that game as well. He also drove in two runs himself. So, again, um, as far as my takeaways about each team going into the year, of course, um, Atlanta, they finished 35-25 and 25 last year. They would finish first in the NL. They would have a decent playoff run. This is a, this is a quote coming from an NL scout. A tremendous team and organization. They develop ta talent, sign that talent, and action quickly and act quickly and decisively to get the right prices and free agency. All true statements. Uh, of course, this year they're coming in there with right fielder Ronald Acuna Jr. We know about him. Left fielder Marcelo Zuna, 338 average last year. He would lead the team in home runs uh, with 18. We also have 56 RBIs. At center field, we got Christian Pache. Uh, stat line of 341, 462, 640 with a 1.102 OPS, 13 home runs, 53 RBIs. And we haven't even got to Freddie Freeman yet. I'm not going to get to Freddie Freeman and Travis R9 today. We also got, you know, sh shortstop Devin Sw Dansby Swanson. This team is very deadly and very capable. Uh, they were first in batting average last year, 268, first in on-base percentage, 349, and first in slugging, 483 in the NL. Uh, they were also first in Team OPS with an 832. Uh, they, had a, they had 103 homers last year. That was good enough for second and 338 RBIs and 348 
uh, runs total last year, which was good enough for second. Offense, offense, offense. I like it coming up from this team. Uh, this is really why it's hard for me to man. Oh man, it's too early. It's April. I don't know why people do predictions so early. I gotta watch the season play out. I gotta uh, holla at me in July about the All Star around the time of All Star break. I have a good idea. I have a better idea who's gonna do what. Uh, but in terms of this rotation, uh, the Braves are gonna be bringing in. Oh, they're gonna be bringing back My Soroka, Max Fried, who was undefeated last year with seven and zero record, uh, two point two point seven nine ERA, forty three strikeouts, and an ERA plus of one seven five. Ian Anderson comes back as well, three and two last year, one point nine five ERA. Of course, they brought in Charlie Morton from the Rays. They look deadly there too. Um, at the bullpen, we have another Will Smith. He's going to be the closer. He just had one save last year, 4.3 ERA. Um, you do have Grant Drayton, who would have five saves last year. I don't know why they didn't put him there as their starting closer. I don't know. That's their choice. Um, team pitching, they were seventh in team ERA, 4.41. Uh, seventh in runs allowed, 288. And they were third in overall wins with 35, of course. I think this team definitely takes a step forward with the pitching staff. So, um uh, man, it's really hard to gauge, but I definitely see them win. I can see them winning the East. Um, did not look so good against the, the Phillies um, this weekend, though. Um, I don't know why. <laughs> the Phillies just happen to look really, really good. Uh, but speaking of which, the Phillies will go 28-32 of 32 last season, third in the NL. They will lose 17 of the last 26 games. Um, this is a quote coming from another NL scout. These are very important because it kind of helps you get an idea. Uh, of who these teams kind of are, they uh, he would go on to say they're an oddly constructed team, very top heavy. Yes, they got Bryce Harper there, JT Real Muto. That is very true. In an era when teams value depth and versatility, they are definitely championship level pieces in the lineup and rotation, but the supporting cast is thin. I definitely agree with that. Um, in this starting lineup, you're going to be seeing Andrew McCutcheon, of course, Bryce Harper. He would have 13 home runs last year, 33. RBIs. Of course, they will bring back JT Real Muto. Um, and um, of course, in that pitching staff, we already talked about Zach Wheeler, how dominant he can be. Um, I think the Phillies have a chance to turn, like I said, they turn some heads this weekend. The, the question is, can they sustain? Uh, like you heard in the quote, uh, they do. They are top heavy. They do have some star quality, uh, but he also mentioned the lack of depth, which I agree, particularly along the bullpen. So we'll have to see what, what shows up during the course of the season. Again, it's very hard to for me uh, just to make predictions before a whole lot of any games have been played. doesn't matter what sport. I can't really make the predictions like that the first month of play. Like I said, holla at me by All-Star break. I have a good idea. We will have a chance to really see teams progress. We'll see a, you know trends and stats and stuff like that. That's a better time, I feel, for any sport. It's almost around the All-Star break to really make any real predictions. Um, but... Let's move on. We do have some more takeaways to go through. Um, I might be wrong about the AL West, and I'm, a, I'm not afraid to admit that. The Astros will sweep the A's in four straight games over the week and the weekend, of course, eight with scores of 8-1, 9-5, 9-2. Just really ugly. Uh, they would they would have a, a stat line of 320-378 on base, of course, and 565 slugging. They would have eight home runs in the series and 12 doubles. And they are the fourth team to start a season with, a, with eight runs or more. In their first four games, this includes the 78 Brewers, the 95 Red Sox, and the 03 Yankees. Um, I do believe that the Yankees at least competed for a, at least competed for a World Series last 
that year. So there you go. Uh, this is a big difference for me at three and seven record versus Oakland last season. Um, are they the team to beat in the AL West? Um, I still think that's the A's because they won the title technically. Uh, but you know, Houston could make it very interesting. Um, I think Oakland did lose a few pieces that they probably shouldn't have in, in the offseason. This is always kind of their thing. Um, so we'll have to, kind of, again, patience. Patience, we will see by, um, again, by all-star break. Or maybe with and some of these teams, you can almost kind of see within a month or so. So we'll have to see. Um, but we have one more big takeaway from the weekend. Your man, Mercedes, where did he come from? Is he a diamond in the rough? 28-year-old rookie coming up from the minors. Uh, currently playing with the White Sox. Uh, one major league at bat last season, but in his first career start, he would go five and five on Friday. In his second start, he would go three or four. He would also hit a home run in that game as well as two RBIs. He has a minor league average of 302 uh, with 23 home runs, and that's about 90 games, so almost a full season. Um, I definitely think the Reds, I mean, sorry, the White Sox have picked up some type of gym here. Um, he's almost like a hitting machine. Uh, he's hit at all levels uh, that he's played at. Um, he looks like he's hitting at the MLB right now. They do have some injuries with Eloy Hernandez. Um, so when things open up, it will be a question of where, when people come back, where would they put him? Currently, he's at the DA spot. Um, there's, there's talk of him might stay in there and maybe replace somebody else um, at some point. Uh, just in, of course, if he keeps you know his numbers up like they are. Uh, but again, I like you know come from behind stories like that looking good um another highlight of the weekend and i'll let y'all go uh the twins and the brewers the brewers excuse me uh this is more so about the matchup between jose Barrios and also corbin burns uh this is a classic classic pitchers duel through six innings combined uh the pitchers would have 23 strikeouts, zero hits, and seven walks, like I said, through six innings. Uh, Betios will be taking on the game uh, in the seventh after reaching 84 pitches. And the bullpen consisting of Taylor Rogers and Omar Navarez uh, and Taylor Duffy will close out the game for Houston, sorry, for uh, Minnesota, who won 8-2. to two. Uh, So pretty much after uh, Burns was pulled out, things kind of fell apart. Uh, for the Brewers, that's just how it is. Uh, Barrios will strike out 12 of 19 batters. Man, um, good game from both of them. Uh, like I said, it's a, it's well, in baseball, it's a game of you got to have a full, complete team. And uh, who showed up? Well, looks like uh, Minnesota's bullpen. That helped them out. And also, of course, their bats. You know, they put up eight runs. All right, y'all. I'm going to take another quick break. When we come back, we'll be talking about the Final Four, and we'll be breaking down the national championship that will be coming on tonight. All right, y'all. I'll be right back.
All right, y'all, we are back. We're going to wrap everything up for today. Uh, we are going to get into some college basketball, of course. The uh, Final Four is behind us tonight. We are going to get into the uh, National Championship. How did we get here? Of course, uh, number two Baylor, uh, sorry, number one Baylor had to take out number two C. Houston. 78-59 to 59 was the final score. In that game, uh, Houston was led by their guards, Marcus Sasser. He would have 20 points, two assists, and four rebounds. And Quentin Grimes would have 13 points, two Two assists and two rebounds for Baylor. They were led by three guards, Jared Butler, 17 points from him, uh, four assists and four sorry four assists and five rebounds. Guard Davian Mitchell uh, and also forward uh, Matthew Mayer would have 12 points uh, between the two of them, uh, 12 points each. 11 11 assists for Davion Mitchell and two rebounds from him and also four rebounds for Mayer. Uh, Macy Oteague and also forward uh, Jonathan. Tachatua would have 11 points each, six assists and two rebounds for Teague, and six a point, six rebounds for Jonathan. Now going into some takeaways from the game. Uh, now good shooting from Baylor, 52%, over 52% from the field, and over 45% from three. They would outscore Houston in the 45 to 20 in the first half. And like I said, a lot of these games y'all this year have been won in the first half. If a team pretty much blows out the first half, they go on to win the game. It just it's just how it's been going. 45 to 20 first half for Baylor. Again, they just used that and they cruised. Uh, Baylor would also have 23 team assists and also forced 11 turnovers. So, um, again, all all out of sorts from Houston. Um, they were not ready for the firepower that is Baylor. Baylor had let's see, one, two, three, four, five players in double digits compared to just two for Houston. Yeah, you know. Baylor just happens to have that offense. Uh, moving on, we got the number 11 seed, uh, UCLA. Uh, you know, this year and this type of squad, I guess, for UCLA, despite having their history and and their, their you know their stories and all that, their legends. Um, this 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 will be considered a surprising run for a team like this. Um, I don't know why, but you know they made it to the the Final Four, uh, but they would go down to Gonzaga. 90 to 93 was the final score. Of course, Gonzaga being that number one seed. For UCLA, of course, they would not go down without a fight. Guard Johnny Juzang, 29 points from him, uh, nine assists and six rebounds. Uh, guard Jaime Jaquez, again, one of my favorite players from the Pac-12 right now, 19 points, four assists and five rebounds. Guard Tiger Campbell would have 17 points and seven rebounds. Sorry, seven, 17 points and seven assists. And forward Cody Riley would have 14 points, 5 assists, and 10 rebounds. For Gonzaga, they were led by forward Drew Timmy, 25 points, 10 sorry, 2 assists, and 4 rebounds. Guard Joel Ayei, uh, 20, 22 points, 2 assists, and 6 rebounds. We also got Jalen Suggs, uh, 16 points from him, 6 assists, and also 5 rebounds. Those 16 points were all important because uh, his final shot was the game-winning 3. So, there you go. Corey Kispert, Corey Kispert would have put up 15 points, 4 assists, and 5 rebounds. Um, again, this game was back and forth. This game was close both halves. Um, it could have really gone either way. Gonzaga still scores 93 points. That's what they're going to do. They score a lot of points. So um, in terms of a matchup tonight, of course, we have two teams that are barn burners. Um, you know, a team like Baylor who averaged about 83 points in the regular season. Um, Gazaga actually averaged more than that. I think well over that, I want to say. Uh, their levels of competition were very different in terms of their conference. However, um, Gonzaga's non-conference was considerably harder 
uh, than Baylor's and Gonzaga is still undefeated. So that ought to tell you something right there. Uh, do not be surprised if, well, both of these teams are, this will be their first ever, this is their first, I don't think this is their first ever title game appearance. Actually, this is Baylor's first ever title appearance. I'm not too sure about Gonzaga, but this will be their first ever win for either one. So, uh, very interesting matchup. Both teams can score. Sometimes when you have a team, when you have a situation where both teams are just so great offensively, it turns out being a defensive showcase. I don't know where to go with this when both teams have capable squads. Um, looks like they're pretty deep as well in this game. Um, it looks like Gonzaga have four players scoring in double, double digits, uh, just like in, you know Baylor did uh, for Gonzaga. They had two players scoring over 20 points. Um, so again. But Baylor can can do that, can do that too. So it's going to be very interesting uh, in terms of what to see tonight. Um, I think through it all, I, I man, I, you know, I just I don't even have a pick this one. I just want to see a good ass basketball game. I just feel like we're probably going to see one of the best college basketball games in a very very long time. I'll promise you that. I don't. I can't predict to you a winner, but I'll predict this will probably be one of the best games ever. All right, y'all. Um, I'm going to let y'all go. Uh, my next episode, I will, of course, be going over the result of this game. I also want to get back into some NBA. I want to refresh everybody on what's going on there. Um, also, uh, I did want to get into a final discussion piece, at least on the podcast. I did want to talk about the Martin series. I didn't get a chance to do it on my YouTube, but I want to do it now. I want to talk about why, in my opinion, that's one of the probably the best sitcoms, not just black sitcoms, although I do believe it's that um, as well. We'll explain why. But it's not only is it the best best black sitcom, it's probably one of the the very be- one of the best sitcoms of all time as well. But we will get to that uh, shortly, hopefully within about a day or so. Um, as far as the YouTube is concerned, I'm still going through some ideas. I'm writing some scripts right now in notes. Um, It'll just be whatever whatever idea gets it done first is what I'll be presenting. I, I, yeah, just look out for it. All right, y'all. Um, I will see you when I see you. You will hear from me soon. Um, if you are looking to get in touch with me, of course, you can follow me on Instagram, ljamal791, E-L-J-A-M-A-H-791. Also, the Facebook page for the show as well. Of course, you can always follow the YouTube or subscribe to the YouTube channel as well. Uh, never out of bounds speaking of which i do have a i do have an installment on there i do have one of my latest discussion pieces i am going over um a thin line between love and hate of course i'm talking about how brandy is a crazy woman yeah so check that out do me a favor show me some support and uh peace out one love y'all and i'll highlight y'all like i said i'll highlight y'all soon